This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 24th of October 2017, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anyone working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Dave, and here is my co-host, Jon. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And yourself? I'm great, and I'm very happy we have a guest today. Indeed. We have our special guest, Eduardo Barbaro, who's a senior data scientist at Mobiquity. So this is our continuing, I use the word continuing very loosely, <laughs> um, section of uh, podcasts we've done on big data roles. And this time, the role is that of the data scientist. Yeah, definitely so an that, important person in the whole uh, big data ecosystem. Very much so. So with that, I'll let, uh, I'll let our interview with Eduardo um, take away. So, welcome to Eduardo Barbaro. Thank you for joining us. Hey, hello. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. No problem at all. So, this is um, a continuing section. I say continuing. We've done a couple of these now and again over over sort of nearly two years. <laughs> but let, let's use the word continuing anyway. Um, a continuing series of uh, podcast episodes We've done about uh, different roles in the sort of the big data world. And Eduardo is here today as uh, representing all data scientists everywhere. Um, okay, wow. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, certainly, you know, your role is data scientist. You come from a, a data science background. You know, please do introduce yourselves to the, introduce yourself to the audience and uh, tell us a little, little bit about you. Yeah, so... Um I don't really come from a uh, from a let's say a traditional uh, data science background. So my my background is in atmospheric sciences, actually, which is uh, you know it's mathematics, physics, and computer sciences blended. Nice. Now you just blend all these things together, and and you are really interested in understanding processes and. And and well, there is the experimentation part where you go out in the field. To, to try to measure things, but there is a very heavy computational part where you mm -hmm. you know you really try to to model things, to to design and to implement uh, numerical models to actually uh, represent physical processes. So that's my my background, and I did uh, um, a master's and a, um, <clears throat> a bachelor and a master's in in atmospheric sciences back in in Brazil. And I did a PhD also in atmospheric sciences in the Netherlands. Uh, and then after that, well, I, I felt this was a closed chapter in in my life. So I, I really wanted to move to to industry. Mm -hmm. So um, I I started working as a as a data science uh, straight away out of the PhD, and um, this has been uh, has been it for so for the last three years. I. I worked um, with um, with two companies now, and now I am with uh, Mobiquity. Okay, so uh, what what does what, I mean? Data scientist is, is a a role that gets bandied around a lot. What what does what does being a data scientist mean to you? Yeah, so I mean, this is this is the the question, right? So what I to be honest with you, I, I don't really think that the, the name is a very good one. You know, data <laughs> scientist. What is this? Like you are a scientist if you don't have data, or what? What does that mean, right? So I I, I don't really know what 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 a data scientist um, is actually. So I, I just really think that uh, 
it is someone able to um, to translate um, a bunch of numbers into something meaningful. Mm-hmm. So this is this is what what we try to do all the time. Is really, uh, you know, we, either if you're in consultancy or if you are working for for one company as a as a as a as a data scientist. I mean, the whole thing is the the company collects data and and they are measuring something and and the data is sitting there. So it depends on okay, what 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 do you want to do with that data? And then and that's where the art is. So you you are really going to think of methods and you are going to design models and you are going to design a platform where you can test and validate your algorithms and you are designing a platform where you can implement them in production so you know things get out of your laptop which is um surprisingly hard (laughs) yeah you know you kind of build your own things and they they work very well but then you say okay um now i want the company to use it and there you We'll face a bunch of uh, problems there, where how how you translate that, right? That's the that's the question. So the the yeah the the two things that I think you you kind of brought up there is uh, organizations uh, are typically quite good at collecting data. The the whole concept of if you build it, they will come. They're typically fairly bad at actually delivering value from that data. Um, you know, and that's, I think that's one of the things that data science brings to the table is, you know, anyone can collect data, but it takes a lot more effort to actually, um, deliver some value, some, some actual business recognizable value out of that data. Is that, think yeah, that's fair to say? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. You see companies, uh, you know, Collecting and measuring, and you know some companies that uh, that Mobiquity consult for, we really see that they they have uh, they have their their collecting data figured it out. I mean, this works well. Yeah. And then the data kind of just sits there, and and it's it's really waiting for you know it's begging for a hey, someone uh, analyze me, and uh, you know I have a lot of value, but it's it is hidden. So how do you extract value? You know and we are talking way past, you know, um, uh, you know, um, looking at means and, and standard deviations. You know, mm-hmm. industry is way past those things. So you're really looking at, at well, can we predict that? So can we see what's going to happen in the future? And yeah, and the the next coolest thing is, can we prescribe what's going to happen? So can we tell you? Uh, what what you are going to do in the future? Can can we in a in a very positive way influence your your decision on on what smartwatch you are going to buy, or what's your next uh, holiday de- destination? So can can we in some way play a role in helping you to make that decision? So yeah. that's where we are headed somehow. Okay. So the, the the second thing that you that you mentioned was really taking it from you know taking something from from your laptop into production. What does what does productionizing data science mean to you? Uh, well, I really think this when you when you build a product. I mean, imagine you are a a a designer, right? And you yeah. you design a website. So 
that is that is you know an, an extremely hard job to do. But after the website the website is designed, it goes into production. So people are, are start going to see that, right? So that's that's a straightforward thing. And then people will kind of tell you, well, I like that button here. I don't like that button there. Yeah. Uh, so there are a bunch of um, analytics tools, how I call them. That's you know, uh, you can you can think of, for example, um, can we help with understanding if customers like this new website or not? Thinking about integration, data science, and uh, design. Right. So can we collect data and then can we analyze the data to see if people are taking more time on a certain page or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, do A, B testings and, and, and draw, draw conclusions out of it. The other, the other um, possibility would, would be really looking at um, would be really looking at developing a product that yeah. a company can, can use. Right. So, for example, um, imagine you work at a customer service, right, from a certain company, and um, we are able to to understand the main concerns of uh, of your customers, or we are able to evaluate uh, where in the spectrum of services your company provide, where does that customer sit, and then with that intelligence, you are able to deliver to deliver a piece of software. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, People will will be able to use it to understand that customer better, or to provide a much better experience, a much more personalized experience. So this means bringing to production, right? So you you develop that in in R or in Python mm-hmm. or in whatever you want to to develop using you know all these Pokemon technologies we have now, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know and and kind of a, you know this is in your laptop or this sits in in the cloud somewhere. But how yeah. do you how do you bring that to someone non technical use? And then you you you, you go in, in all in all the challenges that the the organization is is used to developers, so they know how developers work. Yeah, you know, and and some companies are more used to statisticians doing mm-hmm. their business intelligence or something. And but we are kind of in the middle, right? So we we lie in the we develop software as well, not as good as developers per se. Yeah, and this software cons- contains some some intelligence in it, a bunch of statistics or machine learning models or uh, artificial intelligence things. And you really want to make sure that those can those can go out there. And and then how how do you embed your data science um, uh, models into into production, so how you how you make sure that everyone in the company uh, can actually uh, benefit from it. So this is a very big challenge. Yeah. So I mean, the interesting thing there is you mentioned a number of different roles. So the the role of BI, the role of you know pure developers, the role of um, you know, statisticians, um, and the sort of people just dealing with with day to day sort of analytics and yeah. It sounds like the the data scientist is almost the is touching each of those different specializations, but is really bringing them together in a in a somewhat unique way. 
Yeah, you're right. And I mean, that's that's why I think that uh, you asked me, uh, you know, before about my, my background. And that's why I, I think that this mixed background I have was somehow beneficial, right? Because it was also in between many, many disciplines. So you have to learn mm. how to how to deal with with you know with the developers because they are going to take your code and they are going to implement it if they want to do it in in their way let's call it yeah uh, you also have to have the interaction with uh with the database guys and you also have to have the interaction with you know even without mentioning uh managers and and the c level guys which is a whole another ball game uh right so it's it really puts you in a in a position that now it's in the middle you know, it's kind of in the way of um, statistics, analytics, uh, also, uh, yeah, developers. So it's kind of sits in that in that gray area. But I I think that the area is gray because we are still a bit shocked. You know, this is a new thing. So mm. people are are not. Uh, you know, companies didn't really figure it out yet how to how to accommodate this new role the data scientist guy or the yeah. analytics guy, like, like I, I, I like to call it, um, you know, where, where do we belong in the company? So what do you think, uh, are some of the, the, the common pitfalls that organizations hit when they're trying to, so they, let's say they've got data. Most organizations have data in some way, shape mm -hmm. or form. Uh, you know, maybe they've, they've got, they've got a BI function and, yeah. and they know that they need to do more. They, they've heard about data science. They, they, they see it's the, the hot new thing. Um, what, what do you see as the, uh, the common pitfalls that organizations hit when they try to make that transition to the next sort of level? Yeah, so this is a this is a great question. I mean, I think that uh, the biggest biggest problem is is really that they have all this data, but you know the fact that you collect and you measure a awful lot of things that doesn't mean that you actually know what you're going to do with it in the first place. So a lot of companies they just have their data, and yeah. you know, in a way, they they kind of use it. And this is actually where where um, where we are now, mostly in Europe, I guess. So we, have, you know, companies they they have this data, and they use it. They sell reports, and it's it's fine. It's mm -hmm. all going well. But then, you know, someone tells you, "Hey, you can do much more than sell reports on this data. You can actually uh, create a new product with that," which was unthinkable, let's say, ten years ago. You know, yeah. you just, you were happy because you could, first of all, collect data. So this was the victory. Now, now you can use that data to, to really build something new. And when, when it comes to this build something new, that's, that's where the, the problems go. And I mean, really problems, right? It's, it's more on a, on a, it's hard to get the message across. It's hard to get the message through, especially when you talk to, to managers or, when you have to explain even to to even to the to the C level folks, so really, what are you adding? And you know you have to be careful. You cannot say I'm I'm actually using a a random forest model. I mean, then the guys are lost, and then you're sitting there, and then they, they just like, what the heck is this guy talking about? He he doesn't make any sense. And yeah, yeah. 
So you have to be, you know, a, a, a skillful talker, if you will, <clears throat> and uh, somehow be able to to convey the message in a way that you can communicate with your fellow data scientists, and you also should be able to communicate with with managers, you know, throughout the whole organization, because you really want the whole organization to benefit from the data science efforts. So, you know, yeah. finance can benefit from it. Um, well, uh, data collection can benefit from it. You can keep looking at failure. Uh, is the data being collected correctly? You know, all those things. Um, you can, like I said before, start building numerical models to to evaluate all this data. So, and then the, the whole business can benefit because you can really start selling it. And then you have to have a very good communication with the sales guys. You know, they are non-technical people, but they are extremely skillful in selling something. So how do you, how do you get that message through? That's, that's the challenge. How do you, basically, how do you put value on what is, what is such a, a fuzzy set of skills? How do you sort of how yeah, do you convey exactly. the value of the kind of things you can deliver? Yeah, and I mean, it's not, not even only value, but let's say that you, you build a model of, um, you know, whatever, and then the model works, you know that the model reduces some sort of error, and, and you are happy with that. But then how do you convince a guy who doesn't know what, um, uh, bi you know, what bias means or what yes. precision means? And, you know, even though you know that those values are better than they were before. How do you prove that, you know, you should spend time into, into selling this new thing now rather than selling the old thing that you have been doing for the last 15 years? Yeah. How do you bring that, that message? So that's, that's, I guess, a massive challenge. Yeah. I mean, I, I worked a lot in the, in the, in the telco space and, you know, the the sort of the, the differences I think that you're talking about there are sort of between you know maybe producing a model that can help you predict customer churn more accurately. Well, you know that that's really just continuing to to maintain their existing value, uh, their existing business versus um, you know using the data that they're capturing to generate a completely new revenue stream based on some some sort Absolutely. of data monetization they can see yeah. so you've got Absolutely. two very different sort of sides of things that you're able to help with but how do you how do you convey the value of that i guess the yeah. The, yeah. the the churn thing is is somewhat easier because you can say well let's let's play this against some real data some real historical data that you've got and let, let's show that we can prove um, you know, better prediction than your your current systems or current tools. But the 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 challenge there is always going to be, well, you know, have they got enough data in the right format? So have they only just started collecting that particular granularity of data and all those kind of things? Um, but then you've also got in in the completely new business area of you know creating a brand new data data product you've got yeah you know, what is the size of that marketplace you know what 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 does that look like how you know what would success look like for that correctly yeah i mean and, and we see that every day in more and more companies so uh it, indeed yeah okay so 
I mean, let's let's go go to, into some some specifics then. So maybe start up starting off at the. Uh, this is a this is a technology podcast. So let's talk about some technology. What what sort of what tools um, tools and technology do you like to use in your day to day work? Uh, yeah. So um, most of most of the work that I that I do, um, it's done in R or in Python. Mm-hmm. Uh, most most of it, and then you you have flavors of it, obviously, and and you know implementations. Then it really depends on if you if you're looking at the type of work that uh, Mobiquity does. We are really looking at okay, it's a customized solution, right? So you really want to yeah. see how to implement that um, for that particular client. So if they want to do that uh, on site, or if they want to do that uh, using a cloud solution, you know there are two big cloud uh, solutions, so Amazon and Microsoft Azure, so mm-hmm. the AWS and, and, and Azure. So those two are are the ones um, competing out there, I would say. And, yep. uh, you know, but they all have uh, pretty smooth connections those days to, to R and to Python. And, you know, uh, a lot of Hadoop and uh, Spark, of course. So, uh, you know... What, what people call now the, all these tools to ingest a ridiculously huge amount of data and then start to uh, start playing with it using um, using very powerful uh, numerical models right so let's say using for example deep learning so you'll be looking at tools like, like uh, h2o and those type of things uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, and then having this this analytics platforms really to to help you understand or to help uh, answer very, very big questions that even with traditional uh, machine learning or due to the, to the computational limits, right? Uh, those tools come in, come in handy. So coupling, let's say H2O in a AWS um, uh, instance and then start, start playing with that. Uh, you know, and then you can really choose the, the flavor you want. If you want to do it in R, if you want to do it in Python, I mean, the possibilities are are, are infinite. What I what I always say, and that's something that you know, I said that for the for the managers, the the message is hard to get through because they are non technical. When you look at the technical folks as well, I really see that people spend an awful lot of time discussing. You know what tools do you use? And and oh, I use this tool. Oh, mine is a mine is better. Oh, and I use that other tool. And then it becomes a a, a fight on 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 what tool is better. And 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 this is a um, in in my view, um, I I do know that this is a technology podcast that that also focusing <laughs> on understanding. Uh, let's say the Hadoop environment and, and so on. But, you know, there are so many flavors of it. And I see that people, people struggle to focus less on the tools and start really focusing more on, okay, so what is the question that I really want to answer? What methodology I'm going to apply to answer that question? And what type of analysis I'm going to conduct you know those those things in my in my particular view. You know the question, the method, and the analysis. They are orders of magnitude more important than you know you you use R or Python, and then there is always the guy. Oh, but R is more flexible. Oh, and Python is faster. 
And oh, and Cloudera is better. Oh no, but you know, Hortonworks is a, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. those those brands they kind of get in the middle, and then you 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 don't really talk about what really matters. Yeah, but but in the end, someone has to decide what tool to use. So what do you say that the data scientist in question, if he's familiar with uh, language X or tool Y, he decides or that a company should have a kind of guideline uh, for these problems, use these tools? Yeah, what in your view, what's I, the best solution there? Yeah, this is also a tricky question. Uh, mm -hmm. This is not a, uh, I don't really think that we are the best on, on that to answer that question. I think that a, a, a data engineer would be a much more qualified person to say, you know, for that problem, we really need uh, speed and we really need flexibility. So based on my experience, I would say that we should build that in using tools A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And then in the, for, a, for a different case, uh, well, uh, we it has to be cheap. So, well, okay, let's use this tool because this tool is cheaper. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, so, mentioned, uh, you, know. you mentioned the data engineer now. We haven't had a data engineer in this uh, podcast series yet. But the, uh, the, the, the border between what the data scientist does and the data engineer does is still a bit fuzzy, I think, because data engineer is still a pretty new kind of function uh, that's uh, been called into existence. Uh, yeah. For you, where do you see the, the, the difference, the, the, the border? So I think as a, you know, being a, what people like to call the, the data scientist guy. So I, I really think that our, our strength is really into, into designing a, a, a algorithm or into, you know, creating a method mm -hmm. that can be, um, validated and, and whatever, you know, that can be reproduced, uh, that type of thing. But, and, I would say that the, the data engineer is the guy that is going to to be busy with the architecture. Yep. So he's the guy that's going to say, oh, you want to do that? Okay, so that means that we have to have, you know, a whatever, an S3 bucket and, and the data has to come to, you know, to, to that part of the yeah, server yeah. and then and then so on and so on and so on. So this is really the... Yeah, the infrastructure uh, part of it. The, different, the infrastructure is, is I mean, we, we can do that. And mm -hmm. I mean, we, we also do it, but that's not our, our cup of tea, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and guess, for, for most of us, at least. Yeah, and the person that does the infrastructure, I mean, he should have at least some say in what tools will be used since he's going to be managing infrastructure anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of, one, of the, one of the approaches I have heard and I'm, I'm starting to see more often is, um, organizations you know, try to have standards about everything um, <laughs> to, to, a, to, an, a, to, to a greater or lesser degree of success. I think that one of the things I'm starting to see emerging is um, open source over, over proprietary. Um, you know, the, for a very long time, people have, have been sort of uh, focused around you know, things like SPSS and SAS and, you know, a variety of proprietary uh, tooling, which is, you know, very powerful and has, has um, developed a lot of maturity over the time. But mm -hmm. if you look at, you know, what people are, you know, learning through university, um, 
and through further education generally it's a lot of it's a lot of r it's spark it's you know, a lot of python um and it is that it's also it's that variety of open source technologies and one of the one of the concepts i've seen emerging more and more regularly is people basically saying well you know this is this is our company standard uh, but really it's whatever is supported within a within quite a wide breadth of technologies and whatever the the data scientist and data engineer is most comfortable with to solve this particular problem you're not going to solve every single problem in the most efficient way using spark just spark for everything you know people have different levels of skill around different technologies and i i get the feeling that maybe over time organizations will consolidate down to you know a smaller number of tools but it does feel it feels a little bit like the wild west out there in in data science land from from an outsider's perspective i.e me yeah uh, i think you're absolutely right yeah gravitate towards one or more technologies that they know really well and as long as they can get the outcome out of it organizations generally are reasonably willing within limits um to to let them sort of go and stretch their legs yeah that's absolutely correct i mean and, and you know for now that's that's fine right i mean why why would you spend time uh you know it's always great to learn obviously but why why would you spend time uh learning a certain new technology for a small project if you can still use the ones that you are comfortable with and then yeah. use that time to learn okay, what methods can I employ? What yeah. analytics can I can I use? I mean, I think that this is a much, much more fruitful discussion rather yeah. than, you know, our Python fights uh, that you see very often out there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just you mentioned that you you'd, a lot of what you do is, is kind of done in R and Python. I mean, if someone comes to you with a problem, how, how do you decide which tool is best suited for that? particular problem can you give any examples of you know this is a good thing to solve using r this is a good sort of thing to use to solve using python yeah i guess i mean i think python is is extremely powerful if you're really looking at uh, you know this this deep learning tools i think python Mm -hmm. is is in front of r so let's say that you know you want to use this um uh, you know, TensorFlow or Pandas. You know, for for example, if you're trying to to implement in a convolutional network, uh, those things are 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 easier done in Python. I mean, you can still do them in R. There's no problem at all. But uh, from my experience, you know, you see you see the technology still gets a little bit in the way. So things things crash and you know, even though there are tools out there, you can you can definitely do it. But in Python, you can implement much, um, yeah, in a in a in a much easier fashion than you would be uh, doing in R. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the other hand, I think R is R is just very flexible, right? R is extremely easy to to use, and and you have uh, you know a whole bunch of machine learning models. They are. There's so much documentation. The same same goes for 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 Python, and you know I really think that those are those are very powerful, uh, very powerful tools, and they they kind of 
you can you can do uh, whatever you want to do using this uh, using either R or Python. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, also, I mean, uh, R has its uh, origins in the statistics world. I I think I can say. Have yeah. you seen kind of a, a, a an evolution where you used to do a lot in R, and when machine learning got its hype days, uh, you, you kind of moved towards Python, PySpark, and that kind of thing. And is, is that something you've seen? Not really. No, Not really. I mean, uh, you know, you can you can do. You are you are right saying that that R started more mm-hmm. of a of a statistics uh, language, if you will. So, uh, but you know, you can do sparkly R, and you know, H two O has great uh, mm-hmm. great API for R as well. So, um, I think that uh, the the difference would be more on you know what what you are comfortable with. Yeah. And also in terms of implementation, I I don't see a big difference. They also and maybe sorry, maybe technically there are differences, and uh-huh. I I just don't don't know them. That that can very well be. But from from a data science perspective, on how how you are developing, you know, is potatoes, potatoes. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, you've mentioned uh, deep learning a few times already with TensorFlow and uh, uh, the other frameworks out there. Uh, it's only recently that deep learning and AI become economically viable, let's say, for anybody but the biggest companies out there. Have you seen in your work that deep learning becomes a bigger part of your data science job or is it still fringe or...? Uh, it's still it's still a little bit um, still a little bit edgy, I would say. I mean, we have we have played with deep learning at um, Ubiquity, but but kind of a a more more really um, in an experimental way. Yeah. So we are developing things in house and 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 doing things with our own data mm-hmm. uh, using using deep learning tools. But you don't see an awful lot of clients still. Um, still um, asking for that, so that that's something that that still has to come, and, and people are not really, you know, are not really aware of it. And okay. it's also something that that if you if you think right, right, what is deep learning? I mean, what is deep learning today? In five years, will be just learning, yep. right? True, <laughs> true, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the, so one of the one of the things that uh, I think might be useful for the, for the audience is to understand, um, you know, w- walk us through uh, a, a project, you know, something something that uh, that you've been involved in. Take take us on the journey from, you know, the initial the initial concept, the initial sort of problem, the initial ask, through to how do you you know how do you select the data. How do you, you know, cherry pick which which tools, which approaches, and maybe talk a little bit where you can about some of the outcomes that came from it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I can I can give you uh, the example of the client that I am um, consulting for now, and, and uh, so it's a very interesting client because they own uh, every, uh, they they have the the rights on. Uh, on many many uh, car data, you mm-hmm. can you can think of. So you are really looking at you know the all the registration information in the Netherlands, and also looking at uh, every car feature you know color, weight, brand, model, type, 
uh, number of cylinders or whatever, you know, horsepower, if mm-hmm. you can, you name it, you know, and, and this data is, uh, they have their, their BI more than figured it out. The guys are very, very, uh, skillful. Mm-hmm. So they, they understand the data very well. So they, they know where the data is. So they have all, um, they have that bit figured it out as well. You know, they really understand the data flow. So they collect the data every day for the new cars coming in the country and for, you know, cars are being demolished and leaving the country all the time. So they have this very figured it out, but, uh, well, they wanted, they wanted to know a whole bunch of questions, right? So one of the questions that we helped, that Mobiquiti helped them with, and I was, I was involved in crafting this too, was, was, was really um, saying, okay, uh, what is the price of your car today? And I guess that's, a, that's an interesting question because no one really knows that, right? I mean, we all know the feeling of when you go buy a car, and you have to talk to the to the guy at the shop at the at the dealer, and he tries to you know convince you that your car is worth very little, and the car you <laughs> want to buy uh, is worth a, an, a lot of money, isn't it? I mean, we all we all, we all yep. can relate to that, right? And you have this the sales speech that takes three hours, and then he he wins over you by by being by being a pain, right? And and we we kind of try to to lift that that burden. Um, so we we used all this data to create a a um, a machine learning uh, or an artificial intelligence platform where where we assimilate all this data. We did mm-hmm. all in in R, just so 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 you know the tooling a little bit. Uh, so we, we were able to understand um, all the data. So we, we assimilated the data in R using, using a, a SQL connector. So just mm-hmm. uh, the data is, is in SQL, then gets in R, and then you start with, first of all, with the, with, with the filtering, right? So you really want to try to make sure that, uh, that you have the data clean. That's, that's uh, always step number one. Yeah. Uh, right, and then from from there we really moved into into crafting a predictive tool where we are able to look at everything that that car has seen through all the years and all the information we know and and uh, about prices of order of of this car when that car was new and so on and so on. So we are able to come up with a tool that tells you. Um, What's the price of your car today? So yep. that was the that was the I, I, that was the idea, and uh, well, you know, I have to say, it works extremely well. <laughs> so we are we are really able to to take virtually any car in the country and then say, okay, this is the value of your of your car, and then you know, the whole idea in the future would be to really help both dealerships and also consumers to to say hey wait a moment we, we, we don't have to go through that burden we don't have to go through this this sales speech i mean we know the price right so that's the yeah. 
that's the idea behind. I can give you another short example, and that mm. that would be for the uh, for for the same company uh, when they were looking to the customer service um, journey. So people call in with with questions or with remarks and so on. So it is very very important that you know um, more information about that 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 caller, right? So some, someone is calling you, you want to make sure that you really understand um, from what, uh, from what uh, field that person is coming or that, that company is calling, where, where do they sit in the, in, the, in the company's portfolio? So you really want to uh, do your best to, uh, to customize the customer journey, the customer experience, so you can you can help them in the, in the most effective way. And we also developed yeah. the, the tool to see um, to try to understand the type of products they have and 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 possibly products that uh, that they could have based on their profile. So sort of ne- next best action, but also sort of customer experience intelligence. So the the, the agent on the phone has some sort of idea as to possibly what that person might be calling in for Absolutely. based on their Absolutely. their experience, you know, surfing the internal websites Absolutely. and other things like that. Okay, okay. So um, what what are some of the things that, you know, either on the two some of the, the two projects you've just briefly outlined or even others, what are some of the things that you've found that have surprised you uh, that were unexpected? Well, I think from uh, from my own experience, the when I when I finished coding it, and I you know I looked and I said, well, wow, my my root mean square error is really small. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was happy with that, and then I I showed the bar plots to people how 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 it could be done before and how it's going to be done now. Mm-hmm. So and and then people saw that it was great and okay, well this works works well. Uh, then I thought, well, I'm done. This is it. It's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then uh, it turns out, no, it's not done because it's it's it sits on my computer. So how am I going to to spread that in the company? How am I going to get the manpower to say, wait a moment, we have to implement that. That has to be put in a database so people can can use it. Uh, how do you bring awareness and so on? So from that moment on, when I saw that good result in my on my screen, it was a whole journey that I had to learn into, okay, so how do I bring awareness to the company? How do I convince, you know, starting from, from, from the C-level folks down to my other uh, data scientist colleagues, so how how everyone in the organization is able to to understand and is also able to um, well to act to actually be be willing to implement it. I think this is the this was actually the the hardest uh, or or the most important challenge that I that I face. And I you know uh, from organizing meetups and talking to people, I really see out there that that a lot of people are struggling with that so that's not something that i am observing you know only only myself but even if you if you don't work as a consultant but you you, you know you just work as a as a data scientist for a 
for a company, every time you develop something new, it takes virtually the same amount of time to to implement that system. And if that's not, something that I was not, not if not longer, yeah. I'm trying to be optimistic, yeah. Long, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not to scare the listeners too much, but uh, <laughs> you know, it can take uh, a lot of a lot of time. And I was um, I was surprised by by that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I- the other thing uh, that that would be um, interesting is that, especially coming from a from an academic background, I was really used with a with a pragmatic uh, methodology, right? Where you where you kind of know how to navigate from the um, from the methodology to the to the results. And I see that in in machine learning, it's not in that area in the artificial intelligence area that it seems to me a little bit a uh, little bit more fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a few interesting areas here. One is is I you know we we've looped ourselves back to productionizing, you know, the the actual data science bit is obviously obviously incredibly important, but it, it's it's not necessarily the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is okay, you've got this fabulous algorithm model um convolutional neural network how do you take that into production where the rest of the business can benefit from it that's that's you know at least as hard if not possibly for some organizations even harder to do yeah um the the other thing that i'm kind of curious to know you know based on based on your experience is how many times um do you do you find that uh, you you require some sort of additional data that an organization doesn't have already or how many times to put it the other way how many times when you're trying to solve a particular problem do you find that the organization actually has all of the data that they need they've just never looked at it in a particular way that allowed them to solve the issue well i have to say that's uh yeah, um, how do I how do I phrase that? But I mean, the company always has the data. The thing is, or always, or very very often, the company has the data. The yeah. thing is, if you want a better model, then you you have to you know acquire different data. And this is where um, people don't really understand. You can most of the time you can build a a relatively good model already with the data the company uh, can provide to you. And that's that's part of the art. That's where people should spend their time. Yeah. Because they try once or twice for, you know, one or two days, and then they don't get a very good result, and then they, they just leave it. And that's where I say, hey, no, 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 don't, don't go... Don't go implement the same thing in R. You just <laughs> did it in Python. No, no, no. Just it's fine. Let's let's try another method and let's think why why this method may work better than the other method. And can I can I derive more statistics? I mean, obviously there are problems where where you are going to to struggle and say, well, we don't have the data, and that's just life. And then you have either to you know move to another problem or 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 get the data you you need and then 
the question becomes what data you need. Very often you just, you know, stumble upon a situation where you say, well, um, I cannot, I cannot crack that. I cannot solve that. But then what? Right. Uh, what data would you need? You, you very often you don't know that beforehand. So you really have to, you know, that's also a challenge. So if you want to buy more data, um, people want to know normally what, what data do you want to buy? Yeah. And then the data scientists often say, well, more data. Uh, you don't, you don't really know what type of data will, will help you through beforehand. Yeah. I mean, so to, to build on that, um, how, how important do you find, you know, you mentioned about sort of sometimes you don't know what data is available. Um, how, how important do you find domain specific knowledge to be as a data scientist? Do you think that that's, uh, that's particularly important? It makes you far more effective or do you think that, you know, the, the fundamental grounding that you have in, in data science allows you to spread yourself across a number of different domains that you may or may not have experience in? Well, I see that, you know, like I said, this, this is kind of this, the same answer fits to uh, what I said before. You can build a model, which is okay mm -hmm. if you don't know much about a certain field. But when you, when you start using your time instead of recoding it in R or in Python or just playing around with different tools, if you say, okay, let me try to get a little bit more grasp on on that certain domain. Uh, that helps tremendously. Yeah, and you know that's something that I, coming again from a from an academic background where where we are really busy into uh, well, you are modeling processes, so you really have to understand the processes tremendously well. Otherwise, you don't know what you're modeling. Right? Yep. You have to make assumptions and you have to simplify equations, you name it. Uh, when you really, um, when you, when you look at, uh, our machine learning models or, or go into companies to help them figure out a problem, you're modeling data. You're not modeling yep. processes anymore. And then the, the importance of understanding how that data ended up there, I, I see that it is much less important, obviously. But still, when you understand the field, uh, you are really able to come up with, let's, let's say, better statistics, or you are really able to come with, uh, oh, actually, let's, uh, let's correlate uh, variable A with variable G, because we can make a new variable that somehow is going to express the relation those two variables have. See what I mean? So, um, yeah, and that goes, I mean, you, it's especially if you go consult for a company, which is, which can be a short gig, uh, you're really looking at, um, you know, uh, being a, a sociable person where you can actually go in the company and talk to people and understand the business as, as well as you possibly can. Yeah. So, I mean, Bill, Again, building on that, one of the things that that we talk about fairly regularly is about organizations being more data driven. Um, and this can be sort of obviously that that covers a wide multitude of sins. But 
uh, how many the the sort of the conversations I had the needle is definitely moving in the right direction, but um, I still think there's a very very long way to go for most organisations to to actually get them to be truly data driven. I, I mean, I think that data science is one of the key elements of that sort of that overall picture. Yeah, is that something that you could you agree with? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you you see now that. Uh, you know, now I think every pretty much every company has heard of data science, right? And and some of these companies are still, uh, well, they don't care much about it or they say, oh, we don't have the budget to do that. But still, uh, in a few years, you are really going to see that companies that are not doing, uh, you know, that extra mile with their data, uh, they are really going to be uh, behind. So there's, there is, I don't think that uh, that analytics is a is a vibe, right? I mean, it's like electricity was a vibe uh, a bunch of years <laughs> ago, you know, and still out there somehow. And uh, uh, you know, that's something that's still um, that's still um, still growing. Up. Obviously, yeah. like uh, what you what you said, but uh, I think companies companies know by now. They they just have to go through the I don't have the budget phase. So that's where we sit now. Yeah, but I mean that's that that's you know you only don't have the budget because you don't know the value that they can deliver. It's it's a little exactly. bit chicken and egg, but yeah. you need a yeah. bit of vision first of all. So that you can actually, you know, try an experiment, deliver some value to an organization that, you know, primes the pump for want of a better word. And from that point onwards, you're on that, you know, ever increasing cycle of bigger projects, you know, larger value delivered to the organization, one would hope. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, most there are also several tubes that, that we build that they don't deliver value, let's say, directly, right? So when a company say, uh, when they are able to to use, let's call it a sentiment analysis to to understand uh, tweets or what people are talking about them on mm-hmm. social media, and if they come up with a wow, they are really smashing us. Let's they are smashing our credit card page, uh, and then you say, oh yeah, that's true. It's actually out. So let's fix it. I mean. How much value was that? It was a lot of value, right? But yeah. it's it's indirect. It's so there is a value. lot of indirect value that yeah. um, that we should be able to um, also to to leverage somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I mean, we've talked about now the companies that should become data driven, and uh, there's a slow road and there's just progress. But on the other ha- uh, side of this, they have the other companies that are expecting magic. I uh, have this uh, five kilobytes of data. I have a data scientist <laughs> make money. Yeah. How do you go? How do you handle that? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is hard, isn't it? People think that this is, you know, I mean, if you think carefully, data science is not some something that started even though now it's this is this hype thingy right that everyone likes to talk about i mean the fundament the 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 fundaments of it what is what's truly fundamental about it it's it's been there you know the scientific method this these things have been there for hundreds of years yeah so uh, you know people have to understand that we are not there doing 
doing magic and we are not going to come up with a, you know, the answer okay. is, uh, is 43 or <laughs> 42. <laughs> well, it's 42. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, you know, that that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen that you have to read to read the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also a lot of companies kind of underestimate the iterative nature of this thing. How you can not just give someone a, a command, make this happen. You have one week. It just you start small and you grow on it. Uh, how would you yeah. explain to the C level this? Uh, you have to give this time, this experimentation involved. How do you handle that? Yeah, this is uh, this is one of the. Uh, one of the biggest challenges actually because when you when you build something and then you end up with a result you say you know i still need a few days to to validate it and to make sure that uh you know this is this is working and and uh, not everyone has the patience of let's say understanding that and and saying yeah Edward, just go ahead and um you you have this time and they they won't understand it or for example when you when you build a model that needs time to learn that you see very often so mm -hmm. you you put the model out there the model is you know it's not um, it's not a monkey dumb but it's also not um, Albert Einstein right yep. so he needs there is a, a, a huge spectrum uh, in between yeah. so he has to learn it's like a good and wine then, it needs time to age Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they, they want to drink it from the, from the grape. Squeeze the grape and, and drink it. So yeah, this is a very good analogy. It's really, it, it takes, it takes time to learn. So you see, for example, um, I was, I was doing a lot of, um, uh, beating algorithms at one point that these algorithms, they, they need time to learn. And if you if you put such an algorithm out there, you know maybe today uh, it was not the best day, but um, that's because he was learning today. And then tomorrow you are really going to get the value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then people don't have the patience to to wait for it. And you don't, you know, it's not like whiskey. You have to wait uh, eighteen years. No, I'm talking about days. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it feels like 18 years to the people that are waiting for the yeah, results, of course. Absolutely. absolutely. It, it, it's, it's less like making whiskey. It's more like brewing coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, exactly. It's a two-days drip coffee that is going to... Yeah. yeah. It, it's like making cold brew coffee. I mean, that, that takes 12 hours. You yeah, know. but nobody drinks there that. There you go. That's a good <laughs> analogy, yeah. Uh, I've got another question, a bit uh, totally different from what we're talking about now. But at the beginning of the interview, you talked about going from statistics to um, uh, predictive to prescriptive, where you try to, uh, I'll use the bad word, manipulate people to do certain things yeah. by giving them certain <laughs> hints and whatever. Now, mm -hmm. uh, how is your stance on the ethics around all this? Is ethics something that a data scientist should care about? Is it just, I do this algorithm thing and somebody else uses it? How do you sit? Uh, well, I think that <laughs> ethics is, is 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 just as fundamental as what, what you are going to do because it becomes a, you know, an academic exercise. Mm -hmm. If you are going to develop something, I said, well, let's put the ethics aside. Um, I see that in the same way as if you're developing a physical model and then you say, well, let's, you know, let's not consider this term for now because it's bothering us. 
Yep. Uh, so that that doesn't work. I mean, you really have to make sure that that indeed you are not uh, manipulating customers or that you are not invading their their uh, their privacy. So it, it is a big issue. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I know with my employer, there's a whole debate going on about if I have a customer that's doing things that I don't think are ethical, am I allowed to refuse the work? It's a very difficult thing to to, yeah. Yeah, to live with, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, it, it, it's interesting. I had a, a very similar conversation just this morning with uh, um, an organization looking at uh, cybersecurity threat and you know, you would think that that you know one of the elements, and you know, this is pretty much true for almost every organisation I've talked to. They are concerned about you know internal threat as much as external threat. But how do you gather information about individual users uh, while still respecting the privacy and you know the the ethics around that? So it it, it it's a it's a challenge, isn't it? It is. It really yeah. is, and I, it's one that w- you can apply some technical aspects to to some of these sort of elements. You can do things like format preserving encryption and tokenization and levels of yeah. anonymization, but at some point you will need to get be able to get back to that original person. You know, if if mm-hmm. it's a uh, if it's a, a an algorithm that's that's you know trying to um, you know, more accurately look at a next best action at some point that will have to trigger and you will have to propose something to that, that end customer, that prospect. Um, yeah. You know, but I mean, you can do quite a lot of things. So this is something that, that we actually also developed. It was a, um, so you can do quite a lot of, um, anonymized, uh, analytics when you really, mm-hmm. uh, trying to put, uh, customers into into clusters, mm-hmm. right? So ag- aggregating quite a lot of customers together, and then at the end of the day, you're able to say, <clears throat> uh, "Well, this um, the next best action for this cluster would be, uh, you know, receive a call, or the next best action for this cluster is uh, receive a newsletter talking about." whatever you want to talk about for that particular mm-hmm. cluster, right? Uh, so, so you see, we, I'm not talking about a specific, uh, a specific person or a specific customer, but I'm talking about a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of them in a, in a, in a more aggregated level. I, I do see that if, if you want to do something which is truly personalized, uh, they have to, be able to to look at uh, at what you have been doing right and then yeah. uh, try to learn from that you you use you thinking of uh reinforcement learning techniques for example where you really have to where where you are really learning from from what the agent in that case is 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 moving from place a to place b so what's the what's the best way so can we can we um, suggest something for that particular person where uh, you can get from A to B in a more efficient way by knowing characteristics about that particular client? So that's, um, but that, that all comes with consent and that all comes with, uh, with people have to, have to accept 
to be part of such a thing. So I think we should be careful and we are free to experiment, obviously, mm-hmm. but I see as a meaningless exercise to experiment without having the security layer added to it because, you know, you may get a great result and then when you put the security layer in it, uh, you know, it all goes down the drain. So you don't even want to waste time on that. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that was said before, indeed. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right. So I, I guess you know, f- final question for me, I think, is is you know, what what advice would you give to somebody who, you know, maybe is is just starting out in this field? Maybe they've they've started dabbling in big data, and they they like the idea about becoming a data scientist. What 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 advice would you would you give someone in that sort of uh, those sort of shoes? Uh, well, I would say go educate yourself as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many. Stop, stop trying to learn twenty-two programming languages. Stop <laughs> learning to don't don't just don't do that. This is this is going. You are going to waste your time. You know, focus on on looking at at online courses. There are great courses from from MIT, for example, where you can follow the artificial intelligence course from MIT is, a, is, is an amazing source where you can learn from from the best of the best, um, you know, different artificial intelligence uh, from, you know, you, you can learn all these topics. Uh, there, you know, there is information uh, on, on YouTube if you want to something, um, something a little bit more... Um, something easily consumable to digest exactly uh you know go go up your game in mathematics up your game in statistics uh those those things this is what in my view this is what makes a good data scientist you know you have to accept that a data scientist again is not a data engineer so we are going to have trouble when when implementing all these things so we, we we need we need support from from those guys that know, okay, here we are going to to use this, and then we are going to call, you know, that they know all the Pokemons that I mentioned yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, and, I like that. And, yeah, it, but it's true, right? There's these names; they are they are so confusing. There are so many of them that uh, at one point you just uh, lose lose track of it. Mm-hmm. But I would say it is fundamental to to be able to. Uh, understand the methods as as properly as you as you possibly can so this is what i what i would say if you want to start in data sciences go learn some mathematics go learn some statistics go learn some artificial intelligence and that's going to put you in a in a in a nice position i think fantastic fantastic okay so just just to wind things up as a little bit of a a fun exercise at the end um something we do with a lot of our guests is just uh, in uh, in sort of one or two sentences how would you define hadoop how would i define hadoop uh i would say that hadoop is a is a very powerful tool or it, it's a very powerful concept if you will that's that allows uh um data engineers and and data scientists to work together 
to be able to come up with better solutions for clients. Fantastic. I like it. The collaborative approach. That's a new one. Yes. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Well, I'd like to really thank you uh, for your time, Eduardo. It's been great chatting to you. And uh, thanks for thanks for all of, all of your time and very best of luck in uh, continuing your data science exploration. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Eduardo. Cheers. And that was the interview with uh, Eduardo. It was a fun interview. I'm very happy he had uh, some time to give us, spare with us. And uh, I will talk again to him soon in the, uh, in the future, I hope. Very much so. Yeah, great great session. And again, thank you. Thank you, Eduardo, for all your time. But sadly, that is all the time we have for today. We do hope you enjoyed this serving us bite-sized big data with Eduardo. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information regarding, a f- including a feedback form, I should say. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at Hadoopcast tag and you can contact us by email using the podcast at roaringelephant.org email address. Send us your thoughts, comments, criticisms and anything else you want to talk to us about. Until next time, my name is John. And my name is Dave. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. See you then.